Welcome back, everyone. I am Cass Piancy. I am here as usual with my partner in crime, Bennett Tomlin. How are you, buddy? Oh, I'm doing great. Nice and dry here in Illinois. Yeah, just suffered from a flood here at my work studio, but uh, recovery was quick, so it's okay. Today, we're going to be talking about an issue that I used to be very fond of and am now completely fed up with to the point where I'm considering muting it in tw on Twitter, um, and that's Ponzi. Charles Ponzi, the Ponzi scheme, the original Ponzi scheme, Ponzi schemes since then, and why it's important to acknowledge that it has a very clear definition and you can't just call whatever the f you want a Ponzi scheme. So uh, where to start? I think the, the place to start here is with uh, Charles Ponzi. Do you want to give some background? Sure. Charles Ponzi discovered a legitimate business opportunity involving arbitrage of international reply coupons, which were a tool back then for sending mail between different countries. His original idea was legitimate and could make money, and so he started taking investments so that he could do this on a larger scale, paying out the gains to the people who would invest with him. Unfortunately, his arbitrage strategy did not scale effectively. And so what Charles Ponzi began to do was pay out the early investors who were demanding their promised returns with funds obtained from new investors. And this continued until it didn't, because that's one of the defining characteristics of Ponzi schemes, is because they are dependent on continually attracting new investment, eventually they fail. And there's a few things that are common to Ponzi schemes in general, but we'll start, we'll start with uh, Ponzi's original one. So ironically, his company was called the Securities Exchange Company, or the SEC, and he established himself in Boston. He started accepting money from people, like you said. It failed when he could no longer obtain more money to pay out people who needed to be paid out, um, and Ponzi ended up doing jail time for only three and a half years, so not an incredibly long time. I think the reason it's remembered so infamously is because a lot of money went in. The media in much of Boston supported him, and only one or two papers ever pushed back against this scheme. The defining characteristic of a Ponzi scheme is you need new investors to pay out old investors, which is why people, for instance, say stuff like Social Security is a Ponzi scheme, because the way that it currently operates, this isn't to suggest that it can't be fixed or things can't be done to make it not appear so Ponzi-esque, or as people like to say in crypto, Ponzanomics, is because right now it requires more and more people to be putting money into the system to pay out more and more retirees. And we're quickly falling below the threshold of birth rate for that to continue. But that that's a reality for all Ponzi schemes. Now, the reason this is coming up is because I took issue with the idea, and I'm seeing it a, a lot. It's I'm seeing it often. Um, it's almost like a normalization of the word Ponzi, where anything you don't like is a Ponzi scheme. If you don't agree with the government, it's a Ponzi scheme. If the dollar 
and the monetary system, the Fed, makes you sick, it's a Ponzi scheme. If you don't like the way the Chinese Communist Party utilizes the UN, it's a Ponzi scheme. You're wrong. If you, if you think those things, you are wrong. Those are not Ponzi schemes. And you can't just call them that because you don't like it. Because actually, those things do not resemble a Ponzi scheme in any way. Primarily, okay, and the main reason here being you don't need more and more people to keep the, the quote, scam running. You can always just have someone buy up those bonds or the a different government or your government buy up bonds. You can have, for the dollar, you could have less and less people acquiring dollars, and it would not change the, that would have very little to do with the value of a dollar. It's just a sincere misunderstanding either of Ponzi's, of money, of redefining things however you feel like which i which is like not it's not a fair way to treat language it's fine to redefine things it's fi it's fine to like alter a definition somewhat but when you just throw the definition out completely there's an issue well and i think what a lot of the issue here is is what you touched on is that it seems almost like a deliberate effort at normalizing what is ostensibly scams right by trying to take this term used to describe scams and say, ah, sure, this is a Ponzi, but so is the dollar, the one, tether. All of these different things are also Ponzi, so what does the word Ponzi really mean? Well, if you use it to describe all those things, you're right, it means nothing. But it doesn't describe all those things. And trying to make these false equivalencies between these different things is intellectually lazy and bankrupt because foundationally, these are extraordinarily different things. The global reserve currency is different than Bernie Madoff's scheme. I feel like that's a thing I shouldn't need to say, but apparently it's a thing that needs to be said. This is, this is, unreal to me in the 21st century that this is a conversation that people are having where they're they hold themselves at a higher intellectual value for being like well i'm trying to meet these ponzi schemes halfway cool i guess i don't know what to say about that that's not that's not what a journalist is supposed to do i think someone linked me to a quote from a professor and forgive me i don't know the name of the professor but it was something along the lines of if you hear someone say it's sunny outside and someone else say it's rainy outside your duty is not to report these two people each said these things it's to look outside the window and figure out if it's sunny or rainy it isn't just intellectually lazy it's to me, intellectually dishonest. And I wanna drive home another issue with this. There's words that need to have driven purpose, right? So the word that I think is, that has been popular for the past few years is racist. Everyone's a racist. Everybody, anyone who's ever said any wrong thing or used a word in the wrong way is a racist. They're abhorrent, they should be disassociated with, cancel them. But when you do that, you really alter an important word because there are senators that you can look at from the 1950s and 60s, for instance, who, I mean, you want to talk about racism. They were senators and the stuff they were doing is disgusting. And those people still exist in the North and the South and the East and the West. They exist. So you're giving less credence to those, how important it is to acknowledge that 
is abhorrent racism versus like mistakes that people make, right? And so is bad monetary policy something people should be thinking about? Yes. Does that mean that you should call the dollar a Ponzi scheme? I guess if you don't give a about what a Ponzi scheme is and you don't give a about whether people trust your understanding of economics or monetary policy, that's up to you, but it doesn't look good. Yeah, and the value in language is often in its ability to differentiate between two things. And so if you combine everything together into a single category, you lose that ability. Plus, just again, I feel like I need to reiterate, BitConnect and the global reserve currency are not the same thing. This DeFi project paying out its staking APY by trying to desperately attract more assets to its treasury is not the same thing as the global reserve currency. And I think what it's rooted in is that in crypto, almost everything is experimental. The vast majority of projects fail. And so for a subset of the crypto populace, profit maximalists, traders, and those who are just looking to make as much money as possible, it doesn't matter whether or not something is a Ponzi. It doesn't matter whether or not something can do the things it says it can do. It does not even really matter that the thing exists in much of a meaningful sense. All that matters is that it can be used to make profits. So those people who are just using these things to make profits say, sure, it's a scam, but hey, everything's a scam, so why does it matter? I can make money on this. And I think, again, what you're really getting at there is a desire to make money, a desire to do that does not supersede reality. <laughs> This is not new. This is something where if you go to Bitcoin Talk or you go to old, you know, like Liberty Reserve kind of era high yield investment product forums, this is normal discussions that people have is just like, well, if I can get on the ground floor of this scam, then I'm still going to make a, a nice hefty chunk because there's going to be other people. There's going to be other bag holders. And like it's to some of these crypto people, it's like very funny to call it Ponzonomics and to present it as like, look, isn't this an interesting game theory? Kind of like if you explore the mechanisms of the human mind for Ponzi and I'm like, this has been done for decades. This is not new. You're, this is not some new experiment that you're doing. Ponzi's have existed for over a hundred years, but this idea that people are trading knowing that someone's going to be left holding the bag in the end, that's a very common thing. Yeah, and I would argue it's likely an immoral thing. If you were investing in this scheme, which you know is unsustainable, and you know at the end of the day, a significant number of people are going to get hurt when it inevitably collapses, but you're doing it because you can still make money for a brief period, I think that is probably, at best, an amoral thing to do. Oh, it's absolutely immoral, but I think that goes along with the idea of profit maximalism. People who are profit maximalists really do not care about anything but making profit. So it doesn't matter what kind of cost that comes at. If that means there's a hundred people left with nothing, then that means there's a hundred people left with nothing. So uh, that does not surprise me. But I, I think what I found surprising for the past week is just like like we said, the, the intellectual dishonesty, the 
attempts of normalizing scams, it feels so desperate and so, I, I keep using this word, but dishonest. It feels so dishonest. It, it feels like if you're the media, your job is not to give a, a sounding board for scams and be like, hmm, well, other things in the world are kind of scammy, I guess. That's not your job. If you want to go be a marketer for the scam, then, you know, feel free to do that. But putting this out there as though it's like hard hitting and important and saying anything of value is foolish to me. And bad things happen when Ponzi's collapse. Actual living, breathing people get hurt. In one case, it led to a f***ing war. It's not just a joke. And you thinking you're clever enough that you'll escape doesn't make it funny. No, I think what they find funny about it is that, like, it's bringing legitimacy to the idea of a Ponzi. That, like, isn't that funny in and of itself? Like, this meta idea of Ponzi's getting legitimized because... They're the future of finance. Like, I don't even understand what the argument is, because as soon as you introduce the word Ponzi, you're suggesting that there's going to be bag holders that are left with nothing. And why would you want that to be the future of finance? But there you go. That's the honesty of it. It's more honest than than the U.S. dollar. And I'm just like, it's not it's not the same. Scams are quite common. Ponzi schemes are less common, more common then all of those is that businesses just fail and people make mistakes. That's more common than any of this stuff, right? I'm not out here trying to accuse everybody of doing bad and that every company that's ever tried to do anything new uh, of swindling customers. I'm just begging people to f try to utilize definitions as best as they possibly can. And please, don't just throw it out the window and make it whatever you see fit because like, ah, ha, 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 I'm so clever, it's lame. And if you do call the dollar a Ponzi, do not be surprised when other people go, what do you mean, how is the dollar a Ponzi? Or ask questions like, can you explain or support your contention that the dollar is a Ponzi? which was never given. So, but I do, I do want to say we've heard some uh, counters, which were uh, that the U.S. dollar was a gold standard-based and then stopped being a gold standard-based currency because they couldn't pay off their debts. Not being able to pay off your debts doesn't make something a Ponzi. They, say, they look to bond markets and say that there always needs to be more buyers of government debt for the dollar to work, which there's fluctuating prices for bonds. There's fluctuating volumes for bonds. Interest rates can go up if the bonds are no longer in demand. There's a whole bunch of mechanisms here that aren't Ponzi's. Yeah. So we've heard a lot of attempted counters that don't make a lot of sense. I haven't heard a convincing or compelling argument at all. And the reason I haven't heard that is because it isn't a Ponzi. Please, for, for the love of God, fraud is a very vague word. Fraud can encompass a lot of things. But identity theft is far more specific. That's a form of fraud, right? Bank fraud is far more specific. That's not like swindling investors. That's completely different. All of these things are totally, they're defined for a reason. I can't just call anything money laundering because that's insane. That's insane. I can't just say it because I don't like it. Definitions are important. Redefining and reimagining things is fine, but 
if you don't have a definition in mind when you're redefining it, then no one's gonna take your, your new definition seriously. And if you're trying to call products that, honestly, like if, you're, if you wanna name your products after a scam, first of all, weird decision, but I doubt that people are going to take that very seriously unless, like we've seen, it's people, it's, it's people collectively trying to normalize the idea of scams being a fine way of conducting business. Yeah, and, and that was really my final takeaway is that acting as though everything is a scam is like a form of fatalism that cheapens the efforts of every person who is trying to do honest work, to create honest things, and to contribute positively to the world. And it's disappointing and sad. Obviously, this is a bit of a rant and rave episode. We're, we're going to be talking to you guys about the history of the SEC, their duties, their roles, and their failures in a future episode. And we're probably going to record another one. I don't know what the audience is looking forward to. Maybe we should reach out to them and find a end of year, end of year topic that they, they can vote on or something. But okay, we'll talk to you guys next week. Mm -hmm.